Welcome to LilyPod episode 39, Sober Confidence. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. While I was recovering from my divorce, I discovered my own personal definition of humility. And it's the title of our podcast today, which is Sober Confidence. I came to this conclusion, and it means a lot to me, and I'm excited to talk about it today. When I went through the 12-step program, the church has a wonderful program, both for addicts and for those who are loved ones of addicts, uh, because there's codependency, which is basically being addicted to an addict. And um, I went through both programs and I thought they were so wonderful. And I've heard many people say, whether I'm an addict or not, this is a wonderful spiritually based program to come closer to Christ. And I experienced that myself and I agree with what they say. So if you've never have and you've been interested, it's a really great program. Um, This isn't going to be about the 12-step program, but I just wanted to let you know that that's really where I did a lot of soul searching about humility and what it means to me. Because I think for a long time, I thought it was feeling shame and it's very much the opposite. Uh, Anyway, so just quickly to define what I mean by sober confidence, equaling humility. It's sobering to know that I don't have control over everything in my life, that I can't do everything on my own, that I'm human. Right. And confidence comes from knowing that God will be with me every step of the way when I allow him to. Right. The, the serenity prayer, of course, is often quoted in 12-step programs and Alcoholics Anonymous anyway, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And and I have added to that, God grant me the acceptance of things I cannot change so I can have serenity. But God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's what you're touching on when you're saying um, it's sobering to realize how much of our lives and, and things that matter to us are outside of our control. Yes. And our last episode on the illusion of control was about being more aware of the fact that we don't always have control over everything. And it can help us be more compassionate with ourselves and others in the human condition with all the things that happen because we don't have control everything. Uh, and this episode is going to focus on overcoming the fear that comes with not having that control, um, that, that risks are still worth pursuing, um, but how? Right. 
Um, Kathy also mentioned on another podcast that uh, about an accident that she had in her car and she was driving along carefully and at an appropriate speed, but her car hit a puddle and hydroplaned and spun several times on the freeway. Now, thankfully, that did not take her life. It could have. I, in um, fact, I walked away. Right. And I, I, I called Jeff and he said, hmm, I remember last night when I gave you the blessing because I was going to a big event and I was nervous about it that I would, that you would be protected on the way. And I thought, well, then why did I get in a wreck? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, as I've pondered it, the fact that there was only one car on the freeway in my vicinity meant I didn't get hit multiple times. It meant that I didn't run into the median because he basically that other car broke my, broke my spin. And, um, I couldn't have asked for nicer, patrolmen and people to show up. And even the person I hit has been so kind and so nice. And we've had nothing but positive, kind exchanges. And um, I'm so grateful he was there. Um, and even he said he was grateful he was there because where the way I, I was headed was not good. I was not slowing down for anything. And I could not, I, there's nothing I could do about it. Right. But I walked away from that accident. And yes, could it have been better and not had gotten in an accident. Yeah. Could it have been worse? Yeah. Even with God's protection, it could have been worse. Um, but I trust that what did happen was for my highest good. Right. And I think that is one of the things that the acceptance that sometimes things are going to happen to us that are inconvenient or difficult or painful, uh, are going to happen no matter how well we live the gospel, no matter how much faith we have, we're going to experience some of that. And a lot of it is out of our control. Right. And uh, my car certainly lost control. And uh, that was really scary for me. Um, I think we all face times that are really scary for us, uh, whether it be um, a divorce, a financial loss, a business change, you know, uh, you name it. There's so many things that can happen. Death of a loved one, uh, and it can really scare us. Um, and being able to be human and recognize that fear for what it is and be able to still trust in right. God is, is takes a, a huge amount of faith. Yeah, it's, it's being able to accept the uncertainty that we experience in this mortal realm. And we all have a lot of it. And we like to give ourselves the illusion that we don't that that we're in control of all of it and and that is just as we said in the other podcast only an illusion um kathy mentioned at the beginning of this program that sober confidence is her definition for humility now maybe you can explain kathy how humility and confidence are the same rather than being opposites because some people would think confidence is the opposite of humility. Well, but I put it with the word sober mm-hmm. because combined with the awareness that we're human and we need God for our strength and our direction mm-hmm. is what can give us the confidence that is divine 
rather than conceited, egotistical focus. So the confidence comes from knowing that God is good, that he loves us, and that he would not allow anything to happen uh, to us that would not, for him, be an act of love. And even if that means we're called to pass through difficult things, mm -hmm. um, right. that we have confidence that God is in the driver's seat. Yes, and that we allow him to be. Right. There was a passage I used to quote a lot in the mission field when I would talk to investigators about having peace within ourselves and uh, and how you could tell if, if you were feeling the Holy Ghost. And this is in John 14. John or, or Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And this, this passage tells me that the spirit of truth is something the world doesn't understand because it wants things it can see and touch. And the spirit is not that. It, it is something that dwells within us. And so we can feel it we can't necessarily see or touch it. And how beautiful is that? Because often we actually need answers that we can't see or touch. Right. This passage, as I skip a little, a little bit further into the chapter, it says, but the comforter, and I want to stop on the word comforter for just a second. A comforter is one who brings comfort, right? And so uh, sometimes I think we, we think about the Holy Ghost as uh, something to give us information, to give us revelation, and to tell us what's right and what's wrong and so forth. The Holy Ghost is also a comforter. And how many of you in our audience have needed comfort because you were in pain over a relationship or something else? Well, I, I know Kathy and I have both felt deeply that need at times. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Ghost will, will comfort us partly through bringing us the comforting words of Christ. And then finally, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And how does the world give it? Well, we talked before about how the world likes things it can see and touch. It likes things that are tangible. And he's saying, I, I'm not talking about the kind of peace the world might give you by building you a fine home or giving you a fine automobile. Or I'm not saying he can't give you those things. The Lord can certainly give you those. But those aren't going to give you peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And when peace is present, of course, fear flees. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, I think this is this this is a promise. If if we look at it carefully, it's a promise that no matter what happens in life, no matter what misfortunes or perceived misfortunes may befall us, we can have inner peace because that peace doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from a much deeper place inside us and from the Holy Ghost uh, that comes to us in the name of Christ. Right. I, uh, I love those words. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In fact, it's what we end the chapter we, uh, we have an intentional courtship on overcoming fear, which is, has been one of our advanced readers' favorite chapters because uh, I think it's so relatable. We right. all have fears of dating again if we've lost a loved one to death or divorce or, you know, we've never married, but we've been in relationships before. or Maybe we've never been in relationships and we have this fear that we're not lovable or fear that we're going to end up with a similar problem. And sometimes patterns do repeat themselves. But and so so the sobering fact is that we don't control other people's agency. The sobering fact is that uh, we're creatures of habit and we might attract a similar a similar partner. But we have confidence that with our recognition of weakness, that those can become strengths through God's help and our efforts. Right. And that's the sober part of the, the confidence is that we, we recognize that our confidence doesn't come from our own abilities. It comes from God's help. And, you know, I, I don't know why I was, as Kathy was talking, I thought of two things. Um, one of them was a time early when we first started dating when um, I left her house feeling really triggered and I was thinking of ways to break up with her because I was telling myself all kinds of stories about how she was rejecting me and it, it totally wasn't true. Uh, and I figured that out, thankfully, before I did anything to act on that or, or say anything to her. And by the time I I did say something to her. I, it was just explaining kind of where I was coming from uh, rather than blaming her in some fashion for what was happening. So, so there was that. I was filled with fear. And a lot of that fear came from being rejected in my first marriage uh, and, and maybe at other times in my life too. And, you know, how many of you sitting at home out there and listening to this maybe thinking about how fearful you have felt about being hurt again. There was another incident uh, where I asked Kathy somewhat later in our relationship um, why she chose to date a certain person instead of me at a particular time. And she said something that I thought was completely inane at the time. Uh, but she said, well, because it felt very threatening to date anyone who I thought had potential. And since this guy had no potential uh, to be my spouse, I could just sort of date him for fun and not worry about, uh, you know, commitment. And she was fearful of commitment. And I was also aware that I had to work on that. Yeah. So we both have experienced 
the kind of fear you may experience in feeling, um, you know, feeling the, the inclination to want to move forward into good relationships and dating and other things. I think I wanted that more than anything, but I wasn't ready. And I knew I wasn't ready and I hadn't done enough work to be, get ready by the, the choices I was making and by the, the circumstances that were showing up. So how, you know, how can we get beyond those kinds of fears that, that cause us to make choices that aren't necessarily in our best interest in many cases? Or even aligned with our greatest desires. Right. How, how can we make those, you know, make better choices by overcoming that fear? And my belief is um, the spirit of the Holy Ghost is the comforter. It, what, it, bring, it is what brings us our peace or what lately I've been calling our shalom, which means peace, but it means more than that. It means peace with wholeness and restoration. And humility invites that spirit. Right. And humility is sober confidence. So it's it's being self-aware, self-compassionate, uh, without shame, because I actually have learned really that shame is Satan's tool. It's not humility at all. That's not sober confidence. Right. Um, it And, you know, discipline is, is from the word discipleship. Right. And so if we have the discipline to have that awareness and that faith in God, um, it's a really powerful combination. Right. One more thing. Um to, to go back to the scripture passage I quoted, uh, you may recall that Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And he talked about how the, the spirit, um, which is the other comforter, which is the spirit, um, will abide with you forever and, and shall, it says, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So when we think about our shalom coming from that deeper place, I think we're also talking about the Holy Ghost that brings us that that peace and wholeness that he dwells with us and shall be in us. Um, now, in terms of, of uh, the difference between uh, humility or sober confidence and cockiness or narcissism or something like that i believe that meekness uh, when jesus said he was meek and lowly of heart i don't think he meant to say i'm weak i think he meant to say i'm meek meaning although he had great power uh, he was he was meek in restraint you know, when, when the devil told him, you know, jump off this, this cliff or whatever, and, and I'll catch, you know, 30 legions of angels will catch you and appeals to his vanity. Jesus could have done that. Uh, you know, there were people who taunted him saying, come down from the cross if you're the son of God. Well, he could have, right? But he chose not to. In fact, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
mm -hmm. was asking for to, to forgiveness, not only probably for all of us, but especially for those who were nailing him to the cross, who didn't understand who he was. And so he's up there dying for them and, and all kinds of other people who, who don't understand him, who were betraying him and so forth. And when he could have left, he stayed. And so he was meek and restrained in the way he used power, never to harm, only to help. You know, this brought to me a memory that was really important that I really think I should share here. Because if there are any people out there who've been hurt in a relationship and maybe even hurt by former family members that, you know, when you get divorced, all of a sudden it's like you're strangers and that can be really painful or, you know, or they're making judgments or they're picking sides, mm. you know, which, you know, we very much discourage, you know, I, divorce is hard enough. We don't want to lose everyone else in our lives too. Right. Um, I remember that, that saying that Jesus said on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do coming to my mind. It was in a dream. I think I remember waking up thinking, whatever those judgments are, whatever those actions are, it's, it's not my responsibility. It's not, and it's not about me. And it's not something I need to judge or fix or correct. I can just accept that they don't know. Right. And that was super helpful and very um, comforting to me. Right. I think coming to that place that Kathy's talking about where your sober confidence comes from your relationship with God rather than the opinions of other flawed mortal beings uh, is a really powerful thing. And, and I remember being strengthened in that myself when I was going through uh, my divorce from my kid's mom. Um, you know, it was a huge blow to my self-image that somebody I had lived with for 15 plus years didn't want me anymore. I mean, it felt terrible. And I know many of you can relate to that. But at the end of the day, uh, the opinions of all kinds of people that may have judged me, uh, I understood didn't, they didn't really know, like Kathy said. And even my former wife, who I lived with for a long time, she didn't really know me either. She didn't really know what was in my heart. But that doesn't mean she had no valid points about um, the way our marriage had been or anything like that. I am just saying that uh, we don't need to allow ourselves to be defined by what other people think of us, by what other people think of our decisions or the things we're going through. Right. And that confidence from God's knowledge of our potential and us aligning with that is where we can get a huge boost of divine confidence from right. divine power. Right. And that, that starts to then um, come from inside you uh, rather than trying to get it from people around you. And I can tell you this too. When, when you don't have the sober confidence in, in your own heart, in your own chest, and you're trying to get it from, from others, you're going to put a lot of pressure and overload relationships, especially 
with someone you're dating or married to, because you're going to expect that person to make you feel certain things, to make you feel secure and safe and valuable, and and no other person can really do that for you. Um, you know, the only person that that can is is God. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so it's a it's a healthy place to start a relationship from the sober confidence. Right. And, uh, you know, I wanted to clarify something uh, because I, I mentioned that I was so grateful that I hit into someone and not the median because I would have been seriously injured or maybe killed had I had I kept going. But for the first five days after my accident, I was just I felt so bad for hitting this person for having my car run into them like unexpectedly. And uh, I had wished they weren't there so that I wouldn't have involved them. So this gratitude didn't come in until further pondering. And I, I, I bring this up because I just want to mention that I think sometimes our human brains say, I think things should be different. Right. But maybe they're exactly as they should be. Right. And uh, sometimes upon further reflection and um, through prayer, um, and through the spirit, we can gain understanding of what, what was meant for us in any circumstance. Right. You know, I, I remember hearing a story, um, by, um, pastor Tim Keller, who has a, a large church in New York city. And he talked about how, um, in a particular class at the seminary that he was attending, he figured out that theologically he was a Presbyterian because of the influence of his professor, and it altered his career. He got baptized a Presbyterian and went in that direction. And he talked about how this crazy series of events happened to bring him to that point. Um, apparently, the professor was in Washington, D.C. or something, and uh, needed a favor in some way to, uh, to end up teaching there. Well, some burglars had broken into the Watergate Hotel at, to, at the Democratic National Headquarters. That led to the resignation of Richard Nixon, which led to the appointment of Gerald Ford. And this person was a friend of Gerald Ford's son and got a presidential favor, which ended up somehow him being a professor at this seminary and teaching Tim Keller and altering his career. And he said, you know, we don't experience even one millionth of the multiple factors that God sees when he's putting it all together. And, you know, we can sometimes look back and understand that God knew things we didn't. Um, but everything we do, every decision we make is taking one or the other fork in the road uh, toward our future. And many events that happen that we have no control over are doing that too. Right. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I've loved this discussion and I'm glad that we got a chance to, to talk about it. Sober confidence is near and dear to my heart because like I said, through a lot of soul searching, I found a definition of humility that really made sense to me and that uh, uh, meant so much more than my original erroneous assumption 
that there was some kind of shame involved because that is not good for our spirits. Right. And it is not truly humble either. Right. So we hope that you have enjoyed this and will also um, seek and find sober confidence for yourself. Yes. And remember that, uh, and this is in Romans 8, by the way, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And so faith is the anchor or the foundation of sober confidence. Faith and, of course, the accompanying love we have for our Father in heaven. We pray that you find it for yourself if you don't already have it, and that it takes you to a new level in the relationships you develop from here on. And it's certainly something that we can continue nurturing as, as, we, as we find it. Absolutely. And remember, with sober confidence, any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening to Lily Pod, a production of Love in Later Years. We'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.